I can say I'm, I'm happy and not happy that they stopped doing worship. Happy that if I was going to preach, they was going to have to stop or it would have been too late for me. I was going off the ledge with the Lord, <laughs> which I, that's where I want to go. <laughs> I don't know about you, but that's where I want to go. So, uh, you know, I was sad I didn't get to go, but, oh, the Lord was, the Lord was uh, slaying me in a beautiful way. Amen. I hope so for you. And if he, if he wasn't, I'm going to do my best to finish his work for I'll just do, just do it for him, okay? Is that okay? <laughs> All right, Lord, help me. So this morning I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you on a little bit of a, uh, a, a walk. Uh, so let me just, I'm going to read the scriptures. And, well, you know, my, uh, last week, Ryan, and you, we've been talking about identity for a while, Um so I'm going to talk about identity today, but this is a different take on identity, okay? Um, this is more like community identity. This is what I want to talk about, more like community identity. But I kind of want to, you know, hopefully bring you somewhere. Um, and I think the Lord's already bringing us, and I think we're already there, actually. Uh, but the reality of it. So I'm going to read these verses and talk to you a little bit. Are y'all with me? Uh, you know, I'm having to get myself together here. I'm going to be honest with you. I mean, I was scattered to four winds during the worship, so I'm, I'm stalling to kind of pull myself together and, you know, keep from melting down up here. So it's John 14. Uh, I'm going to read verse 18 and 20 first. It says, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Isn't that beautiful? I will come to you. A little while longer, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me, because I live, you will live also. At that day, you will know that I am in the Father, and you're in me, and I in you. Ever heard, you've heard of the term, I think it's mentioned 70-something times in the New Testament, in Christ. Well, that's where it starts, and that's the beginning of it right there, where the Lord began to reveal that great revelation of, of being in Christ. Um, and that was Jesus talking to his disciples. Uh, within hours, he would be led away, uh, arrested and led away and, and crucified, and, you know, brutally beaten and crucified. So these are really things that he wanted them to know before this, before this happened. And he made some promises. So let me tell you a little bit about those verses. Those verses are really highly meaningful to me. Um, I, mean, I got a lot of personal experiences in with the orphan thing, and maybe I'll talk about that a little bit, but maybe not. But um, I want to tell you this: uh, in 2006, we had this really amazing uh, Holy Spirit revival in the church, and it was like the river of the Lord came into this church uh, spontaneously. Uh, we didn't do anything to to get the river. When I speak of the river, I speak of the river that flows from the throne of God. Uh, it says it in Revelations, uh, end of Revelations, that there's a river uh, in, in heaven that is, flows from the throne of God and is of Christ. That's, and the river, just so you'll know what I'm talking about, the river is the Holy Spirit. It's one of the ways that God has chosen to manifest himself on the earth as a river. It's all through the, all through the Bible. There's a whole chapter in Ezekiel about this uh, river that he, uh, Ezekiel gets into uh, and swims around in, walks around in, sees it go out, and 
so it's just a, a real, it's real. This, what I'm talking to you about this morning, is some, it's not just a metaphor. It is a metaphor, but it's beyond a metaphor. It is a real and living river. And there's power in that river. God is in that river. The, uh, Psalm 46 says God is in that river. It says it in there. He says he's in the midst of it. And it's the thing that really could change everybody's life once they get in touch with this river. Amen? So, uh, it was just amazing. Obviously, by what I was just saying, if you don't know it, that river highly impacted my life. Okay? And I think it highly impacted this church. And I'm impacted to this moment in my life from that river. It, you know, there's things that God will do in our lives that will last a lifetime. Once, once they happen, there's, it's like there's no turning back. That day is over. You know, where you were at before, everything shifted in my life at that moment. Everything. Now, God was getting me there for a few years. He was getting me there, ready, readying me, dealing with the orphan heart I had and speaking to me and revealing himself to me as a father. Uh, but when that river hit, everything that he did was... Uh, you know, it's exponential. It just like an exponential thing happened to me spiritually. It's like I went, shoo. And so one of the questions, you know, you have when the Lord's doing something is like, Lord, what is, what is this all about? What are you doing, right? You, when God begins to do something that's outside the norm and you know it's God, you want to know what he's doing, right? So I asked the Lord really clearly, like, what, what is all this about, Lord? And this is what he told me. He said to me, he said, you are here and you should be here. So what I'm doing is I sent this river into this church and into your life to accelerate you, to get you from here to there in a short amount of time. What might take years and just in the normal course of things, I'm going to get you there so much quicker. And that's just amazing. That's just the the grace of God. And so there's a time, you know, when you ask the Lord a question, He answers you. There's a time you just enjoy, right? There's a time you just just receive. Yeah, I mean, and you you need to just let go of the questions. You need to let go of the answers, right? You know, because sometimes your questions are the wrong questions, you know, you got to get, you know, we say it, we got to get our head out of the way. We got to get our heart out of the way even and let God do what he's doing and just, you know, get on autopilot with God. And so that was what happened. That's what I did. You know, that was a good answer. Well, he's just, like I told people, it was like this divine rebuke. Okay. He rebuked me. You're, Byron, you're behind, son. You're behind, I'm, but I'm going to get you up there. Well, I'll take a divine rebuke any day of the week if that's what they're like, right? Come on. It was beautiful. It was wonderful. It was awesome. And, uh, but there comes a time, right? There comes a time when you, you really need to switch off an autopilot. Yeah? There comes a time where God really wants to talk to you more about where he's taking you. Okay? There comes a time in our, all of our lives, see, we're not on autopilot spiritually all the time. There's a time for that, a time to enjoy and just not worry about the questions, the concerns, the thoughts. In fact, it'd be good just not even try to answer questions because whether you're going to tell, tell people would be wrong. You know what I'm saying? When God moves, you start trying to have answers prematurely, <laughs> you're going to be wrong. <laughs> you know? I hate to tell you. A lot of theologians have discovered that. 
we're discovering a lot of stuff that people have told us for years. We're discovering, well, that's not exactly right. And why are we discovering it? Because God is releasing enlightenment. Because when we read a scripture, it's so much deeper than what we know. There's more to God, there's more to the Word of God than we realize. And we have to always be teachable people and be willing to let go of what we held on so, so tightly in our belief systems, our theology, our doctrines, even our experiences. Right? We've got to be willing to let go of those things to let God. Okay, I'm just really talking to you about stuff here. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, so I asked the Lord, Lord, where is this taking us? And this is, this is it. This, this, this is what I discovered. This is crazy. Because it's so, in, it's so there in front of our faces all the time, all through the Scripture, but we don't see it. It's almost like it's, it's there, but we can't see it. And it was this. It was verse 20. You will know that I am in the Father, and you're in me, and I am you. That If I had to boil the whole thing down to that one little thing, that one verse told it all. That one verse said, this is where this goes. This is the journey. This is the reality of that I want for you to get in your life to know where you are and where you live and where I am and who is there with you. It's, it's, I know that. Like, well, everybody knows that, but not everybody lives that, right? And so there was this quote that I found that really just spoke to me. Is this guy named George McDonald who was... Quite a character. If you study George McDonald, this is not the George McDonald singer, or there's some low, uh, more. This is from the 1800s. George McDonald. He was a Scottish preacher, poet. And he wrote children's books. He wrote fantasy books too. That was sort of his sideline. And but old George had some really uh, interesting thoughts that were controversial. Um, but C.S. Lewis said this about George McDonald. He said, "I have never written anything that I didn't quote George McDonald." That's the kind of man he was. I'd never written anything. He, was, he came to the United States in the, and it was some, somewhere around the, you know, the later, latter part of the 1800s and was offered a position at the, one of the biggest, greatest churches in New York City and, uh, to be their pastor. He wouldn't do it. And they were offering him $20,000, which in those days was a pile of money, $20,000 a year. That was a lot of money. A lot of pastors make that today. You know, it's not much money. But back then, it would be like making 100000 It was It was a lot of money. He wouldn't do it, but he was a real character. Uh, if you look him up on the Internet, and if you listen to certain evangelical people, they really don't like George McDonald because he says a lot of stuff that's challenging about some of their, their beliefs. But I love him. This is, this is the thing that just captured me. And it really is a paraphrase of, of what I just read to you. He said this, This is... And has been the Father's work from the beginning to bring us into the home of His heart. This is your destiny. This is your destiny. That is what God did. That was what all of that was about. Was that thing. That was it. That was it. And that may not sound profound to you. You know, we're seated with Christ in the heavenly places. We have been blessed with every blessing. That there is in heaven. But the reality is we can be blessed. We can be worth billions of dollars. But if we don't know it, it doesn't do us any good. 
You understand what I'm saying? That we need to have revelation. God needs to reveal things to us. And that's what this Holy Spirit river thing was all about. It was about God revealing something that was already true, that had been true from the beginning of time. That when God created us, that was His dream, is to bring us home to Himself and to live with us and to let us enjoy Him and He enjoy us. That's what the whole thing was about. And it's still God's yearning heart when He looks at all of humankind is to bring us all, all of us, all of us into the home of His heart. And this is just beautiful. Now I want to read John 14, 1 through 3. I'm sort of starting in the middle and going backwards. I mean, this is beautiful. This is like a famous funeral verses. In fact, one of the last, not the last funeral I did, a funeral I did last year, the person who I did it for, that was one of the verses they wanted me to, to you know, use in their ceremony or the funeral services, you know, celebration of life, memorial. Those are better words in my mind than funeral. Funeral sounds kind of like, right? Memorial, celebration of life is a better word for me. But this is, this is amazing. Uh, let not your heart be troubled. That's what Jesus is saying. Now listen, he, listen, put yourself in the disciples' place. They knew something was going on. This is the last day before the next, within, the, within hours, Jesus would be arrested. They could feel, they could feel things. They could sense things. They knew something was going on with Jesus. Things had changed. And he's trying to talk to them and give them information. And one of the, that's in verse 14, and that all started in chapter 13. Let me just say this, uh, John chapter 13 through John 17 have been called the Holy of Holies of the New Testament because it's the last things that Jesus shared with his disciples before he went to the cross. You pick up chapter 18 of the Gospel of John, he's, being, he's going to, the, to Gethsemane. And you know, all that happened there. So it's very powerful. Very, if you really want to know the heart of Jesus, if you really would like to really delve into his heart, what he felt, you know, like the thing that would be important to you, to tell your loved ones if you knew in 24 hours you were going to die, what would you tell them? What would you want them to have? That's what's written in John, the Gospel of John 13 through 17. It's powerful. I really encourage you to, to read it and, and soak in it and let it, let it speak to you. So he said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, isn't that beautiful, are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. So what the, uh, the verses I just read to you were the fulfillment of this. See, many times, and, and, let me, and I'm going to explain this to you. I want to really explain this to you. This, these verses are not just talking about when we die and go to heaven. It does not eliminate that part of it. That part obviously is very important, right? When I die, I mean, like, I want to know I'm going to heaven. You know, I mean, heaven's kind of an important deal for Christians. If it's not, then you might not be a Christian, right? <laughs> it's kind of important. So I'm not diminishing that part of it. But there's another aspect of it, okay? There's this other aspect 
What if Jesus was not talking about going to heaven to prepare a place? What if he was talking about going to the cross to prepare a place for us? Because that is where the place was prepared. It was at the cross. It's where Jesus made a way for us to join him and join the Father and join the Holy Spirit. One of the things he said right after, one of the first things he said right after he was resurrected and he was talking to to Mary in the garden when she thought he was a gardener, he said, go to my brothers and tell them what they tell them. Go to Galilee and wait on me. And he said these words, my God and your God. That was cool. Okay, everybody's good on that one. But the other thing, my father and your father. It was after his resurrection where humanity had this opportunity to join where Jesus had always been. And he had always lived with the Father. And so that was the beginning of mankind. That's what he was trying to do is prepare this place for us. To be able to go and live in a different place. To go be seated with him and go to begin to really function in this, what I call the, the fellowship of the ring. You know, there's that movie, The Fellowship of the Ring. The ring is the Father, Son, and Holy yeah. Spirit. And God has expanded that ring f- to, for us. And has invited us to enter that ring, not when we die and go to heaven, obviously that is, but today. And that's what the Holy Spirit River was trying to do, trying to get us to a place, to get us beyond a certain level of brokenness and wounds and hurts, to get us to a place where we could begin to embrace that truth and begin for that to become a reality in our life. That's what the Lord was doing. Let me explain a few things. I've, st- I've really spent a lot of time trying to understand this and, and get this. Uh, so the phrase, I'm going to read this to you because this comes from people who know stuff. I don't know anything. These like language experts, New Testament language experts. Let me read this to you. The phrase, in my father's house, is more personal and more open-ended than the word heaven. The person who has a loving relationship with his or her father enjoys privileges in the father's house that are not available to others. Isn't that powerful? Jesus is at home in the father's house and promises that we will be at home there too. And that we can enjoy the privileges of living in his house now. And learning how to live in that house today, right this second. Isn't that powerful? Um, we should uh, not take uh, my father's house as a synonym for heaven. Throughout the Gospel of John, location has consistently been a symbol for relationship. Location has consistently been a synonym for relationship. In other words, the Gospel of John is all about relationship. Okay? It's all about... It's not, a, it's not about... Going to heaven, it's about this relationship with this person. That's, if you study the Gospel of John, that's what he's trying to do. He's trying to bring us into the relationship. That's why he said in First John, I've touched him, I've seen him, I've felt him. And he was, he was inviting people into that same kind of relationship where you touch him, feel him, and experience him. Are y'all with me? I hope you are because this, I mean, this may not sound profound to you, but this is everything. 
This, this is everything. This, if you can find that and center yourself on this, this will change your Christian life. This is not about religion. In fact, religion is the thing that keeps you out of this. Religion is the thing that makes this secondary in your life. That's what religion will. It'll make this a secondary truth in your life instead of the primary truth that drives you. Or maybe motivates you is a better word. I hope you all okay. Some of you are, some of you are not. So there's this other phrase, there are many mansions. I'll tell you what they said. They said the Latin Vulgate translated that uh, as mansions, the word. Uh, anyways, and the King James Version came up using the uh, word mansion. But they say uh, that's the language familiar to many older Christians. The mansion in the, in the sky. And hey, I don't want to take nobody's mansion away from them. You, 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 I don't want no ghetto in the sky, do you? I mean, I'm not going to heaven and thinking I'm in a ghetto. I'm thinking, hey, I'm going to have a nice place. I'm going to have my own golf course that I'm going to beat everybody on. You know, I'm going to be able to drive the ball real far and straight and putt really good. I'm going to really have a good time up there. But uh, they were saying the word there, a home, homes is a better translation. Homes. And, this, and, and homes is a more of a relational word. It actually, the same word is actually used for abide. Did you get that? Abide. The word in John 15, abide. One of them is a noun, one of them is a verb. They just use them a little bit different. Are y'all following this? And see, God has invited, see, this is a relational thing. He's invited us into the home of his heart. That's a relationship. It's a relational thing, and that's where God has called us to live, is live out of this relationship with this person, this persons. There's three of them. There's a Father, there's a Son, there's a Holy Spirit, yet they're one, but we don't try to explain that. I don't. I'm not dumb. I'm not that dumb. <laughs> so it's, it's coming into this home. It's coming into this relationship. Um, let me just tell you this little story quickly. Uh, Becky asked me this question this morning. This is crazy. She asked me about my Grandma Rosie. That was my mom's mom, Grandma Rosie. And there were two people in my life that I can tell you this when I was a little boy that totally celebrated me. I mean totally. And one of them was Grandma Rosie. And when I came to Grandma Rosie's house, I was a prince. I was the center. I was loved. I was doted on. I was told. I was spoken over, spoken over, spoken over. Even when I would say or do something bad, which I didn't do much there because I was living up to this prince uh, vision they had. I wasn't celebrated in my home much. And rightfully so because I had three sisters Okay, I had an older brother who was never around. So I had three sisters, and I was just antagonistic. I was doing bad things, trying to get my way, you know, doing bad things to them, you know, stealing their candy. You know, we get candy, everybody gets a certain amount. I'd go steal theirs. And then the night to the cows come home. <laughs> I don't know. You know. I don't know what. Yeah, that was one thing I used to do. We had a tree house, so I would grab their barberies and run up there and pull their head off and stand up there. In the treehouse and threaten them. Like, if you don't, matter, if you don't do what I tell you, I'm going to throw this head away into the woods and you'll never find it. <laughs> I did that kind of crazy stuff. Of course, my mama didn't really mess around. My mama, I always said, my mama was kind of mean. And she was kind of old school. But her mama was so sweet to me. And Becky said, that was like your shack. Remember the movie Shack? Or this, uh, when, yeah, when God appeared as a black woman. I guess that's one of the reasons I didn't have a problem with God appearing as a black woman. 
he appeared as Grandma Rosie to me. And Grandma Rosie spoke a lot of things in my life. And I think to this day, it's so impacting to me. Um, and, and just by the way, there was this other woman in my life that was like the father to me. And, and she was a black woman. And she was this big black woman that used to come to our house and help, uh, help my mom. And I can remember <laughs> being sick and her grabbing me. Putting my her, I'll just never forget this for the rest of my life. Putting my head on her big bosom. She was a big bosom black woman, okay? I'm not trying to be crude. I'm just saying I was just laying there and I felt so much love. It was incredible. And when I was a little boy, I didn't feel love much, but I felt love at that moment. I felt that woman loved me. I think I think about how impacting uh, people are in our lives. Those were like two people in my life that hugely impacted me. You know, when I felt in my heart, when there's times I've felt, I've felt abandoned, I felt deserted, I felt like I didn't feel celebrated. But I, those people celebrated me. Everybody needs to be celebrated. Find somebody to celebrate. Find somebody to love unconditionally. Okay? And that will make a difference in there. Find a child. Find, a, you know, an old person. Find somebody. That will mark their life. I promise you it will mark their life. Because the world is yearning for this thing. The world is yearning for this place. To find this home. To find this place. Every one of you are yearning for it. Whether you know it or not. There's a yearning in your heart. To be at home. To be with your creator. To be with your father. To be with your brother. To be with your mother. Holy Spirit, by the way. Because you know, that's what mother's. Mother's comfort. Mothers teach, right? You know, what, this, what is it they say? At least half the time in the whole Bible when it mentions the Holy Spirit is in a feminine uh, language. I won't mess with you no more. <laughs> Don't even think about that. Let me read this verse. Are y'all good so far? I'm, I'm, we're still on the journey. Uh, Romans, I read this the other day in the message. I'm going to go back to the good old New King James. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. That, that verse, that has, there's power on that right now. That's what was going on in worship this morning. Did y'all catch that? God's releasing this afresh. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together. So that's what the Holy Spirit is called. He's called a spirit of adoption, or we call Him the spirit of belonging. And that's what we felt when this Holy Spirit river came into our church. We felt this thing that was inviting us and drawing us in and making us feel like we belonged and making us feel celebrated and making us feel special. And it was this life change, and that's, and that's what was happening. So this is really beautiful. Um, I'm going to tell you some more facts. I just love this kind of stuff. I hope you do. But uh, in the New Testament times, that babies or children were not adopted. It was adults. They only adopted adults. That way it gave the people who were adopting them an opportunity to examine them and make sure they lived up to what they wanted as a son or a daughter they were going to adopt. And so they adopted these adults. Okay? Right? That's, that's how it worked then. So when we, think, when we read that, that's the context. But with God, God adopts the worst of us. He adopts the worst of us. I mean, he doesn't examine us to see if we measure up. 
He's not trying to figure out, are we going to earn this? Are we worthy to be his children? No, he receives us. He, he gives us the Spirit of God to cry out to us, to cause us to be drawn to become these children. So we have a very powerful adoption. See, many people today have children they do not want, right? That's common in America. It's common all over the world. We had children. I didn't want that kid. Wish I didn't have her. Kids feel that. They feel it in the womb, actually. It's dangerous. And a lot of people kill those babies, which is terrible. It's tragic. But see, God, in the Old New Testament times, nobody adopted a child they didn't want. That's the point. Everybody adopted somebody they wanted. God adopts everybody he wants. He wanted us. He wants you today. He wants you to know that you're a child. And he wants to teach you how to relate to him as Abba Daddy. Did you know, this is interesting. In all of history, all the literature of history, no one ever called God Abba Father until Jesus came. It is found nowhere in any literature in all of history of mankind. It was just God was not seen as a father. He was not seen as an Abba Daddy. That was too close of a relationship for people to feel like they could have with this great God up there or this awful, terrible God up there, this wrathful God up there. Whatever they, their view of him was, nobody could feel like they, could, they would have the right to be able to say that to him. But when Jesus came, that was the thing he began to release because he declared it. And he declared, I'm going to give you my spirit, which is going to work in your heart where you can know that same relationship that I've had. Isn't that powerful? That's a very powerful. So I did, here's some other biblical statistics. Uh, the number of times uh, fought, the word father is mentioned when it re- referring to God, not like, hey, dad, your natural dad. You know, David's called his daddy, daddy, okay? But this, in the Old Testament, uh, the word father is mentioned 15 times, and it was always impersonal. In other words, it was like, uh, the father of the king. God's the father of the king, or God's the father of Israel. It was never like, God's my father. Nowhere in the Old Testament. And that, that's some interesting, isn't it? New Testament, Gospel of John, over 100 times. Over 100 times. The four Gospels combined, 179 times. Tell me the Gospels are not trying to tell us something. Uh, the, all of the New Testament, you know, the gospel, the whole New Testament from Matthew to Revelation, over 250 times God is referred to on a very personal Father, my Father. God, every one of Paul's letters, he writes them. Every one of them, go read all his letters. Go read the introductions to them. Every one of them have this introduction. God and the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how he greets them. That's powerful, isn't it? Are y'all getting something here? Y'all looking at me terribly. <laughs> so we're, we're very familiar with the Father thing. We, we pray the prayer, right? Our Father. You know, our Father who art in heaven, our God, our Father, God, our Father, wants something. That's my grandkids' prayer. You know, when we have a meal, like, who's going to say the prayer? And that's one of the prayers that the grandbabies sing. And we all look, oh, that's so sweet. We just love you to sing that. But you know what we'd really love? Is it wasn't so common, but it'd become a reality in people's life. That they would begin to know the Father. 
they begin to know him as a father, as Abba. And that would be something that would emerge, not from just our heads, but from our hearts. That we would begin to relate to him as father, as Abba Daddy. That is a profound revelation when you begin to get it as revelation. If all you're hearing is biblical information, and if you don't know him like that, you don't, and that's not a reality in your life, it is something that God desperately wants you to have. He desperately wants you to know him as that. I mean, that is one of his primary things that he wants people to know. Because when you are a son or a daughter and you realize he's your father and you begin to really live out of that, everything changes in your life. You're no longer trying to get God to do anything. You're not, you know, your prayer life will completely change. It'll completely shift from this miserable prayer stuff that people do that you like want to run away from when you're begging God to do something or trying to get God to do something. Into a thing where you're cooperating with the Father and what He wants to see happen. That's a big difference. That's a big difference. A big difference. That's just one thing. But that's huge. Because prayer is really important in the Bible. Real important. But the way we pray and the position we pray from is key. It really is. If we're not praying from a revelation... Of, of a father-child relationship, then we're, we're, we're going to have some bad prayers. We're going to have prayers that are not really fueled in, in faith that's not really involved in it. You see, when you get, begin to rate, relate to God as a father, you can begin to relate to his heart and his mind. And, he can be, and you'll begin to get, he'll begin to give you revelation about things, about what's on his heart. This is either really going somewhere with y'all or it ain't going nowhere. <laughs> I mean, it's one or the other. There is no in-between on this. This is not an in-between deal. This is either you're in or you're not. <laughs> We're in. Okay. Now let me just finish my little journey story here. So the Lord spent, sent this river to us. It was awesome. He, he gave me this great quote from George MacDonald. And I, it just burned in me. I'm telling you, it burned in my heart for years. It was the thing in me. Just, and even this morning as we was worshiping, I just felt the fire that in my heart. That that is what I live for. I live to live with Him. I live to be in His presence. I live to be in that circle. Because he created me to be in that circle. He created me to be in Christ. He said, that's where you're going to find your life. You, Christ is your life. That's where you're going to find everything. That's where you're going to find all the answers there are that will ever be. That's where you'll find all the provisions. He created every one of us for that. I'm not just talking about having an experience in church with worship like I had. I'm talking about your life. Because there's a thing down in your heart, whether you're aware or not, that yearns for that. It yearns for it. It yearns to know it. It yearns to experience it. And it yearns, God yearns for us to make that the main thing. The primary thing in our life. That's, that's the thing. That's what Paul talked about when he was saying, you know, I'm, I'm letting go and moving forward. The high calling. He wasn't talking about ministry. Ministry is not a high calling. Ministry is being a servant. A high calling is being in Christ. A high calling is living from there. That's the highest call there is. There's nothing higher than that. And yes, we're already there. 
Absolutely we are. But the, we, don't let, we, we, we don't have revelation. We may be there. But if you don't know it in your heart, you're not able to access it. You have been seated with Him. You have been placed in Him. At least in your spirit. Your soul may be still flopping around in the world like a fish on the side of the dang bank, right? <laughs> flopping around like, man, this ain't working, this atmosphere here. I need to get some back in the water. Okay, mercy Lord, help me. I need to hurry up. This was supposed to be short. I see, I'm shorting this message. Well, let me talk about, so we had this experience. This is beautiful. It was awesome, 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 awesome. But then something happened, and it wasn't good. It was bad. It was real bad. It was the worst. It was like the, it's like going from the best to the worst. It's like going from the thing you always dreamed of and having it to losing it, but losing it violently. That's the way it felt. And it's like we went from having this amazing river of God flowing in this church to a tragedy. One tragic death right after the next tragic death, after the next tragic death, next tragic death. Just one thing after the other, after the other, after the other. It was devastating. It was devastating. I was devastated. I was so devastated. I, I, I quit praying in English. For about two years, I didn't pray nothing in English because I didn't know what to say. I just prayed in tongues for two years, which was actually pretty nice. But <laughs> it was really nice. In fact, I've prayed in tongues since that time more than anything. But I do talk in English some to the Lord. But that's all I knew because I was, I was just I was so broken. I was broken, broken, and many people were broken. Many people were broken much, much worse than me. But I was, I was a broken, broken guy. And being broken is not bad, let me just say this. But a lot of people lost, lost a lot of, a lot of people lost a lot. And not only they lost, they lost people they loved, they lost marriages, they lost relationships, they lost children, they lost finances, they lost dreams, they lost ministries. It was just one. It was, uh, me and Marlon sometimes sit around and talk about it and we're like, did that really happen? It, it seems surreal. It seems surreal. Like, that didn't really happen, did it? How did we get through that? We're still here. How did God get us through that? We should have not made it. We should have collapsed on the road somewhere and died. That's what should have happened in the natural. We should not have got here. We should not be here today. God did it. Somehow God grabbed a hold of us. He was already grabbed a hold of us. But we had let go. And like I tell, this is the truth. Somewhere in the midst of all that move of God was lost. It was gone. It was gone, gone, gone somewhere. I don't know where it went, but this is even worse. That wasn't really the point. This home of his heart was lost. That was what was really, that was the thing that really crushed me. Is I lost that. The life of that, the, the sense of that, the belief of that, the experience of that, it was gone. It was nowhere near to be found. And I went from life in the river to life just trying to get through the valley, the darkness, the day. That was my life. That was many people in this room's life. It was no longer about the move of God, about what God was doing, about enjoying and knowing the Father. It was about just if I can just get through, if I can get through another day without falling away, if I can get through another day without just, just, I'm just done. I don't, 
I don't think I got through one day without being done. I'm done, Lord. I'm stopping. You know, I said it a million times. And it's like, okay. It's like the Lord's like, okay. But see, what you don't know is you were, you were done a long time ago. You were way done. He was just carrying your height. You, you can be done. In fact, it's better if you're done. It's easier for me to carry you without you kicking and screaming and carrying on so foolishly. So be done. That's a happy day in God's eyes. <laughs> Let me read this verse to you. Ooh, mercy, Lord. i got to get done here. Uh, Luke, I'm giving you the, the, the dream. Luke 22, 45. This is Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane praying, praying, trying to get his disciples to pray with him. This is after he told them all this beautiful stuff. Uh, and when he rose up from prayer, he had come to his disciples. He found them what? Sleeping from sorrow. Sleeping from sorrow. You see, it's proven fact. Sorrow puts you to sleep, right? It just wears you out. Your emotions are gone. You, just, you, you, you could be doing nothing. But if you're full of sorrow, all you want to do is go lay down somewhere. You don't want to do nothing. You're just wore out. You're beat. You're defeated. Sleeping from sorrow. So sorrow is, is normal. And I actually think, I don't really know this because I haven't really investigated, but I believe that's something that God has, has built into us to protect us. You see what I'm saying? To protect us. Because, you know, people will uh, go in comas to protect their bodies. That's what a coma is. A coma is, is to try, it's your body's way of trying to keep you alive. It, it shuts everything down except for the main things to keep the, keep the physical body going. That's what a coma does. That's why a lot of times doctors will do a medically induced coma is to try to save a person's life. And sometimes I've wondered, I've wondered about this sleep thing, this sorrow thing. It's when you just, if we're, it takes the life out, it takes the energy out of you. And most preaching messages you hear is going to wear you out about how much you need to wake up. You know, like, you need, you know, get with it. Come on. It, you know, it's 7.30 a.m. and you're still in the bed sleeping. You know, like, God's mad about that. Whereas somehow I'm wondering if God didn't create it like that to protect us, to keep us from running our mouth and saying stuff that we shouldn't say. I, I think that's for me. Like, I'm going to let you get real sleeping tired so you won't be saying a bunch of junk that's going to get you in a lot of trouble. You know, how many people say bad things when things are really bad? You know, you're shaking your fist at the Lord, saying all kinds of bad stuff. Well, let's just get that boy in bed. You know, he let him sleep with sweet dreams. So that's what that was about. That was, and let me just say this. There was a part of my heart, okay? There's a part of my heart. This is where I'm really going to bring this to. There's a part of my heart that went to sleep. Okay, I mean, it really went to sleep. And it was asleep for a long time. It was asleep for five years. Five years. And, you know, when you're asleep, you don't know you sleep necessarily, right? You can be unconscious of being asleep. And I didn't know that part of my heart. There was other parts of my heart that were awake and alive and flowing and functioning. But there's this other part of my heart that was sound asleep. And, um, you know, I told you about this vision I had a few weeks ago where I was recounting to God my sorrows. And I had a vision of me standing out in the backyard with Abba, Daddy, 
And I was telling him how sorry I was for not doing well through all my sorrows. And he looked at me and said, okay, what do you want to do now? Which said to me this, I don't got no problems with you, Byron. I'm daddy. I'm daddy. I have no issues with you, son. I'm for you. I'm for you. I love you. And I'm going to tell you something. And then the last thing in the vision, which maybe I'll talk to you some more about, because he's given me some more revelation on that, but it was me and Abba, Father, which was, I told people in that room that night, I need to correct myself if you were in there, that was the first time he ever appeared to me as Abba. Actually, it was the second time. Second time he appeared powerfully to me. But I don't really have time to tell you that now. I'd like to, because that was glorious. But the dream, the vision, it was a vision. The vision ended with me and Abba Daddy walking into the woods on an adventure, a new adventure. And I'm going to tell you something. At that moment, that night, my heart woke up. That place that had gone to sleep in me was awakened. And I began to dream again about the home of his heart. I began to think about being in that place again. And my life started coming back into that place in my heart. Are y'all following this? You're looking at me intensely, like feeling sorry for me. (laughs) It was good, man. I didn't know I was asleep there. And everything that I thought I had lost in terms of my destiny to be brought into that home and live that home and express that home, everything I thought I'd lost suddenly started coming back into me and becoming alive to me again. And he became alive to me again. And Jesus became alive to me in that place again. And the Holy Spirit became alive to me in that place again. It was like I was back in the circle and I was realizing I'm back in the fellowship of the ring. I've never left it, but I was asleep in it. That was a beautiful thing about it. If you fall asleep in Christ, when you wake up, guess where you're at? You're still in Christ. That's the glorious thing. It's like he didn't dump you out the door because you didn't do well or this thing hurt you and wounded you. He doesn't kick you to the curve over it. He's not disappointed about it. Well, you didn't do well, doggone you. In fact, you got into sin over that, doggone you. He didn't do any of that. He doesn't do any of that. He's a father. He's a daddy. That's what he is. And a daddy is always about covering. A daddy's always about like that black woman who took me and put my head on her big bosoms and laid there and comforted me. That's what a daddy's like. And that's really a beautiful thing, I think. So we all suffer in different parts of our life. I promise you, everybody in this room, there's probably a part, there's a place in your heart that's asleep this morning. I promise you there is. It could be your dreams. It could be your vision for ministry. It could be because you have been sick physically. It could be because you've lost something. It could be, could be because you have fallen into sin. Because sin will put you to sleep. That's a good thing. Let it go to sleep. Do less sinning. <laughs> They're bent on sin. We'll get them to sleep. They won't sin as much. They may say bad words or something in their sleep, but we'll, we'll take care of that. That's, in fact, that's already taken care of. Did, did y'all know that? 
Did y'all know that about sin? Did y'all know that your sins are already forgiven in Christ? I mean, every sin you committed, every sin you're going to commit has already been taken care of. It happened at the cross. Everything was taken care of. All that's left to be done is for you to engage Christ about what was, he did and receive what he did. That's all you got to do. I mean, it's like, no, you know, I don't have to be worried about nothing. I just need to engage him. I think that's a pretty good revelation. So God is faithful to wake people up, and I believe that's what God's doing right now. He's awakening hearts. The cares of the, well, I was thinking about the cares of this life, the deceitfulness of riches, the desire for other things. All those things will cause your heart to go to sleep. Sorrow will cause your heart to go to sleep. Broken dreams will cause your heart to go to sleep. There's a list of things that will cause it. Yet God's faith, what was he saying? Fear will cause your heart to go to sleep. If you're full of fear, fear about the future. How many people got that? How many people don't have that? Raise your hand. Well, that's good. Now, come on, Dean. That's good. <laughs> Anyways, I wanted to tell you, the Lord, I wanted to read this. I, I'm going to be finished here. Are you okay if I read this about restoration? That's really powerful. Because I believe God is in the process of awakening. There's an awakening. There's an awakening happening, and it's been happening. It's awakening to what Christ has done. It's an awakening to who he is. It's an awakening to who we are in him. Now, it could be, you could call it a revival. Well, I'm getting revived, you know. I don't care what you call it. I don't have problems with any of those words. I love all those words, revival. I love revival. I love awakening. I love refreshing. All that speaks to me. But it's speaking to me something different right now. So, uh, restoration. Let me read this. This is really powerful. Because I think we're in a time where God's restoring things. There's people in this room. How many people need some finances restored? Everybody. You can get everybody. That's the preacher's trick. (laughs) Except for, I had a dream the other night, and I was in an automobile accident, and I got thrown from my car, and somehow I was sliding down the road, not getting hurt, going real fast. It was like wherever I was going, I was getting there. Even my car was just totaled back there. And finally, I got to the place I was going, and I got up, and I was like, "Great! I'm surprised I'm not dead, you know. And I saw my wallet laying back there on the ground, and I went and got it. And the Lord told me, hey, here's what the Lord told me. I'll show it to you. This is another preacher trick, but this is real visual thing. That the Lord was saying, I want to restore finances that people have lost. I want to restore finances. Because people have lost finances in crashes and in brokenness and in sin, whatever it was. See, even if it's sin costs you to lose your finances, God's saying, I've already forgiven you that, received that forgiveness, and let me restore. Because that's what He is. That's what God is. He's a restorer. And when we begin to see that and believe that and trust that, that's when that restoration thing can get released. But let me read about the word restoration the part that says R-A-T-I-O-N, restoration. Rest, ration means you're in short supply of. Okay? Short, what are you in short supply of today? Okay? So God wants to give us everything we are in short supply of. That's part of restoration, the ration part. 
He wants to give you everything you're in short supply of. In fact, the Bible says he wants to give us above and beyond what we can, what, ask or think. That's how restoration works with God. So whatever you feel like you're in short supply of today, I was in short supply of God's dream for my life, and that was the home of his heart. That's what I felt God wanted to restore to me and restore his image as my Abba Daddy to me. It could, and I think my finances, since I had that dream, I'm thinking, yeah, throw that in, Lord, and, you know, I'd be good to throw it in. It's awesome, all the spiritual stuff, but let's throw in some money here, you know. Anyways, I know y'all don't think that way, right? He wants to restore us to the place we were before our tragedy before our loss, before our sins, before we were sick, before we were addicted, before we lost everything, before the move of God was destroyed. We want to restore all that to us because that's who He is. He can't help it. He can't help that. When we begin to pull on Him for that, He'll do it. And here's the other thing uh, uh, about the little uh, suffix at the end. I just love these little things. T-I-O-N, restoration, T-I-O-N. This is cool. That means a place. Isn't that cool? That means that restoration is a place. It's not just stuff, but it's a place. It's not an act. It's not a thing, but it's a place that we live. That's what restoration is, a place that we live. And that's what really spoke to me about that word restoration, is we live in the home of his heart. And that's what God really wants to restore to everybody. Because we all lost the revelation of that. Or we never even had the revelation of that. That we, our destiny is there. Everything that we will be, everything that we are, it's all tied up in that place. And that when we begin to start making that, see, here's what I did. I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to stop, okay, I promise. I know you're getting anxious. I want to tell you this, because I've got these key learning things that I write down. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'm kind of the guy, the kind of the guy that makes a lot of mistakes. And I always want to go back and, and, and learn from my mistakes, right? I mean, like, oh, I did that wrong. Don't say that to Becky. Write that down. Do not say that at a certain time, because if you do, you will not be happy for days on end. Because <laughs> she's a Davis, and they don't mess around. I can promise you that. I told you my mama could be mad at me. Ooh, you don't want to get a Davis mad. Right, Becky? <laughs> She's pretty nice most of the time, but when she gets mad... Davises are nice. Well, let me just say this. She'll punch you. Because <laughs> she has literally punched me before. Now, I mean, that's the truth. Yeah, it hurt. <laughs> she caught me off guard. <laughs> One time we were playing, and we were, I'll just tell you this. i got to finish. We were playing anyway. Over, we were spraying each other with a hose pipe. So we got in a fight over the hose pipe. Not a literal fight, but the time we got through, you know, I thought I could overpower her and get that hose pipe out of her hand. I was soaked. <laughs> I mean, we, I was wore out trying to get that hose pipe away from her. She soaked me. I was soaked. I mean, soaked all the way down, man. Anyway. Lord, what was I doing? Please help me. <laughs> I've made a mess out of this message. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I was going to say, oh, 
Oh, let me just say this. One more thing about the Holy Spirit River. I love the Holy Spirit River. I love that. I want that so bad. But I want to tell you something. That's not it. And that was one of the mistakes I made. I made that move of the Lord the main thing in my heart when the main thing was where it was trying to take me. You see what I'm saying? The thing that was in God's heart was the home of his heart. I made the Holy Spirit river. What it, the, the manifest, all the glory of it, which was beautiful, that became the thing. And you can do that with anything. You make the wrong thing the thing, it's not going to work out. Because guess what? That thing has its beginning and had its end. And so you make that thing the thing, it comes to an end, you're lost. But if you make the home of his heart, that's your destiny. That's the journey. That's the thing. All that other was trying to get you to that thing, to get you to see that thing. And I know there'll be another time when something like that will happen, and it'll help take us further. Amen? Okay, I'm done. Kind of. Yes, mercy, Lord, right? So, I would like to just pray for you. I want to pray for you, if you'd like prayer. I want to pray for people in this room who say, who could honestly say that there's something in your heart that's asleep. You just want God to wake wake you up. If, If that's you, stand up. Just stand up. Don't stand up if it's not you, because even though you do have something sleeping there. <laughs> but I would really the Holy Ghost show you that. That's the key is when he shows you and he starts talking to you, that's when stuff happens. Me talking to you, nothing's happening. <laughs> yeah, it's just me. I'm just telling you what happened to me. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm giving you my testimony. But testimony is what? God, do it again. Do it again, Lord. Do it again. Lord, I am so... I'm so happy, Lord, that you're waking me up. I'm so thrilled. I'm thrilled. And, I, and there's a grace that comes with being awakened. Here, here's what the grace is. You know those things you, you're tempted by? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Those things that tempt you? When you start waking up, guess what happens to those things? Why was I tempted by that? The power of that temptation goes away. The power of that temptation leaves you because you're being awakened to something better. And suddenly the things you struggled so hard not to do or not to think, it's like a lot easier. In fact, you might even have to make yourself think about like, well, don't do that. But I, I, And I just see that favor from the Lord right now upon us as a community, as a church, and as individuals. That God really wants to awaken us to our ultimate destiny into our journey as it is now and begin to make real who you are in Christ and who Christ is in you and this fellowship that you have, this community with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that you're part of, that He wants to make real in your life and that you, listen, you belong. You belong. It's like going in Grandma Rose's house. You're the prince in here. You're the special one. Let me bring out the candy that I had hidden from all the other grandkids and give this to you. You're the special boy. Look at you. You look like Grandpa. You're so sweet. You're kissed on. You're like, even if you say something bad, oh, you shouldn't say that. 
That's about all you're going to get. I'm telling you, it's real. God wants you to know that. He wants to invite you into His heart today because you're already there. He wants to make it a reality in your life. And see, what we do in our Christian life is we learn to go there. We learn to live there. We learn, we're learning. We're being transformed. We're being renewed to that. That's what this Christian life is all about. And when we get to heaven, this is what we're going to know. I've already been there. I've lived there. You're going to go to a familiar place because you're going to realize you've already been there. You've lived there. It'll be familiar to you. It won't be like, oh, my gosh. It'll be, oh, my gosh. But you, it will be very familiar to you because you will have known that in your spirit you're there now. And yet you're carrying that in your heart in your spirit right now you're carrying heaven you're carrying the kingdom you're carrying the home of his heart around with you and it's awakening in people it's awakening in you and it's calling out to you this morning it's it's calling out to you you wouldn't be in here you're here because God placed you in this moment to hear this because he was wanting to call out to your heart and awaken your heart You're in the place that God wants you right this second. To hear this. Don't resist the Lord. This is, he's not, he's not after anything in you right now. He just wants to have this communion with you. And draw you to him and begin to reveal himself to you. And reveal Abba to you. That's all he wants. All the other stuff will work its way out as you go. Father, I just pray. Pray, Lord, against that orphan spirit that hardens us, that makes us feel like we've got to do something, earn something, work, that we're all alone. I just pray you'd break it off. We just curse it today. We curse it. We curse that orphan spirit. We welcome the spirit of adoption. We welcome the spirit of belonging. We welcome you, Holy Spirit, to make us, to call or create a spot, create a space in our hearts this morning to see you and to see Abba, to see our Lord Jesus Christ, to see and experience the Godhead, the Trinity, and to realize that we're in the middle of this beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing that you created from the foundations of the world and created us on this earth to know and to live Lord so we could tell other people about this and invite other people into this place Lord Lord we ask you to do that and Lord I just acknowledge and confess oh Lord it's not about the revival Lord it's not about all the things Lord those things are awesome in themselves and we receive those things Lord but Lord ultimately we want to go step into our proper place with Christ with the Father and with the Holy Spirit that's our ultimate goal Lord so just release that raise your hands if you feel that just raise them to the Lord and say I receive you spirit of adoption Say it. I, I renounce you, orphan spirit. Say it. Say it out loud. I renounce you, orphan spirit. You have no rights in my life. And I receive you, spirit of adoption. And I ask you, spirit of adoption, teach me how to think like a son and teach me and, and help me unthink the orphan thinking. See, we, we grew up as orphans. 
Every person on this earth is born as an orphan. But when you're born again, you become a son, a, child, a daughter. But we have to unlearn. We don't lose our memories and our experience. All that's wired into us. God wants to unwire it. That's the process part. That's the renewing of your mind. But God will do that if you let Him. If you ask Him, He'll unwire that orphan thought and begin to reveal to you orphan thinking. Lord, I just pray you do that for folks. And I pray also, Lord, that you begin to reveal to us what a son or a daughter thinks like. We have access. We have access to the Father. We have access to the throne of God right this second. The throne of grace, we have access. We can boldly go to that throne. We can boldly. We have access. Ryan talked about sitting on the front porch in the rocking chair. That was the throne. That was the throne of all the universe. He was sitting with the Father in that vision. That's what God wants you to know. And He wants to teach us how to live from that place. So, Lord, I ask you to do that in Jesus' name. I thank you for it, Lord. Let's take another moment. Maybe we could get the ministry team here. You know, I, I think a couple of people might need somebody to lay hands on about this and help them, help them get free. Yeah, ministry team, come on up. If that's you and you want to respond by coming forward and having somebody pray for you specifically or come on up, we invite you to do that. Also, if you want prayer for something else, healing or something else that's going in your, on in your life, our ministry team is here to serve and to pray for you. They'd love to do that. If not, then we just pray you have an awesome week. So glad you're here. It's great to see everybody. You can be released and go with God. Amen.
Jesus, the name above.